0: So anyway, my name is Mark Bryant. This is December 23rd, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, are you serious, all of that? And a sermon too? This is like my lucky day, right? This is, is it Christmas or something? What's going on? And yes, this is your lucky day, all of that and a sermon as well. And uh, so let me pray as we begin. I know we've already prayed once, but I just pray that God will lead our time again here. Father, thank you. For this time, Lord, again, it's amazing to see these children and just the joy, the peace, to kind of see a picture of of Christmas um, that sometimes we can miss in the midst of of hurrying and scurrying. And I pray this morning that nobody in here would leave the same way. It's in your name I pray, amen. Um, I do have, even though it's not Family Sunday, I figure adults can handle some visual aids. So I have a visual aid I want to talk about here in a moment. Um, I want to find out who in here is a bread lover. Do we have any bread lovers in here? Yeah, every person should raise their hand. That's the way it should be. I brought some bread this morning and want to talk kind of quickly about it. Um, My family, uh, we have a lot of bread lovers, Um, especially Wesley and myself would be one of them. But I remember when I was a kid, um, there was this, this amazing stuff. And I was really looking for Wonder Bread, but I couldn't find it, so... I'll have to do this. I don't know if they, I didn't, I just looked at one store, so I didn't search that hard. But if you find Wonder Bread later on, let me know. I'm curious if if they, I think they still make it. I think it went out of business, but it came back in. I didn't find it anywhere in town. But I wanted to think about Wonder Bread for a moment. I remember seeing this stuff when I was a kid, and um, I never got to have anything like this when I was a kid, because for whatever reason, by the time uh, I came around on the scene, um, my family ate in a healthy manner, or at least that was the way. And my mom actually always told me, this is white bread, in case you can't see it. Um, that white bread, which whenever I tasted it, it, it tasted delicious as a kid I remember thinking, that stuff's amazing Because I never had it at home And my mom told me that white bread will put pockets in your stomach Did your mom ever tell you anything like that? There was, there was probably some radio broadcast Where Dr. Dobson or somebody else came on and said White bread puts pockets in your stomach I had no idea what mom was talking about I just pictured like little tool pouches in my stomach and I thought that may be helpful. Um, but anyway, I loved bread growing up, you know, white bread. So I just wanted to bring this out, you know, and, and the thing that, that, that I want to really think about is when it comes to bread, there's different types of bread. You know, and I just went, went to the store and picked up some bread because there's like this type of bread. Now as an adult, I, you know, to me, white bread is probably one of the worst things. Like it, it looks terrible. As a kid, it looked amazing. You put jelly on there and it's like a healthy meal or something like that. As an adult... You know, this to me, on the scale of bread, bread is amazing, but this would be where would this fall for you on the scale of bread? Right, right down here, like way below beneath here. I mean what's funny reading about the history of Wonder Bread when it came along, it was shocked. You know, everybody up until that point had this terrible like homemade bread. They had to eat at home, it had it had stuff in it, and then somebody came out with Wonder Bread and it just rocked the world. Like I don't know how that happened. But that's what, so but when it comes to here's bread, here's my wonder bread. So we'll put that there. This morning, and then I went out and bought some other bread. Now you tell me here, this is, I was looking at the store. This is a different type of bread. It's like a potato bread. But when it comes to bread, see, my son and I, a, a few years ago, I, I think for his birthday, we bought him this bread book, and we kind of set out, and we haven't actually finished the journey. But it, it's called Josie Baker, and it's like you, you start off baking little loaves, and you're trying to get up to where you're making loaves like this. And we actually did that. You know, we got, it, it was really cool. But to me, when it comes to bread, you have this type of bread, And then you have this. This is what I would call better bread. Anybody else with me right here? Does that... Better bread. Now, I don't know. At some point, I guess it used to be like this. The kids at home are like, Mom, do we have to have that homemade fresh bread? Can't we have some of this, right? But in reality, I want you you to think about this for a moment. When it comes to bread, hopefully everybody in here is kind of on on board with me. And now I know some of you guys are like, I'm gluten-free, I'm whatever. It's bread. It's not really hitting me. But when it comes to bread... Here's what I want to leave you with, and I want you to walk out here with this morning. Choose the better bread, okay? There's no competition here. There's this and there's this. Is everybody tracking with me so far? I just want you to get that in your your minds. And I'll set this right here. I'm going to put this up here because I want to eat this later and I don't want it on the floor. Um, So when it comes to bread, choose, eat the better bread. I have two goals for us this morning. It's Christmas. You're like, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well just just listen, just be here. And I, I hope that no person in here will leave unchanged. My goal for many of you who know Church, you know Jesus, you've known Him, you've come to Him, you've, you've surrendered to Him, you've, you've been around the church, you know what that means, you've been baptized into Jesus. My goal for many of you this morning is that you will leave here today running and leaping and overwhelmed by the reality of what you have. Excited about Christmas to come, the presents to come, but far more than that I pray that you will realize just how incredible the gift of Jesus Christ is in your life and for some of you my goal is that you will not leave this room without being wrecked by a hunger so strong and intense not because you're lacking in food but because for the very first time you catch a glimpse of something or maybe a taste of something that will rock your life to its core. Those are my goals for us this morning. We've been in the book of John. We're now at the Passover time in John chapter 6. And I'm going to read a a section of scripture just like Mike did last week. You know, it's kind of a longer section of scripture. I'll try to read it as slowly as I can because I know if you're like me and you're sitting out there, it's easy to kind of get lost and kind of, you know, zone out for a little bit. Maybe to think about bread. You can keep that bread in your mind And obviously we're going to be talking more and more about bread today. But I want to read a section of scripture because last week Mike was here in chapter 5 and Jesus heals this man. It's on the Sabbath and so we have this big look at the Sabbath. And I hope and pray this week if you were here that you wrestled what does Sabbath look like in your life. Not just a day but a way of releasing ourselves from the slavery and to recognize that God is the source of our life. And this week in a very similar way we're going to look at bread. Bread. So in chapter 6... There's so much going on, and we are going to skip through so much and just look at one little part of it. Because in chapter six, now the people have been hearing about all these miracles. It's Passover time, which means the Jews are all about to make their trip to Jerusalem. Yet they've seen these signs and these wonders. So I don't know if that means they've already taken off work. They're getting ready to go to Jerusalem, but there's a story. Jesus is actually up in Galilee. And so the people hear about this and these signs. They want to go out and meet him. So this huge crowd goes out to meet him. And if you know the story that we're not not even going to have time at all to spend with. This where this amazing story where Jesus out in the middle of the desert or out in the middle of the wilderness kind of there's no food to eat and Jesus takes a lunch of five loaves and two fish and he feeds 5000 men and that doesn't even include the, everybody else. And so this incredible event has just happened and the people are ready to go and forcefully say, "Wow, this guy gives us bread. Let's make him our king." And Jesus dismisses the crowd. He sends the disciples out on a boat and he goes over off by himself and then that night again another thing that we don't have time to talk about it's an amazing event that happens because you know some of you know the story Jesus is out on the lake a storm comes up and yet the disciples are freaked out and all of a sudden Jesus comes walking along right and we don't have time to talk about that today you'll have to read about it in John chapter 6 because we're going to verse 22 so that's just the context of where we are Jesus has done these amazing things then in John chapter 6, verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea, they started to do some detective work. They saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. This is after this amazing miracle of him feeding this huge crowd of people. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Another way of summarizing what had just happened. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, searching for him. Again, this incredible thing has just happened. We need to go find out. You know, their plans to go down to Jerusalem have been interrupted for a moment. We need to find Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They're trying to figure this out. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, and again, if you've been tracking with us in these sermons, this this story is going to start to sound familiar, similar to Nicodemus. Similar to the woman at the well. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? They knew what he was talking about. He was talking about himself. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. And again, if you don't know that story, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit uh, here in just a moment. But they're like, okay, you're claiming to be something bigger. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, Give us this bread always. Kind of like the woman. Give me that water to drink so I don't have to keep coming back to this well. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. For everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and will raise him up on the last day. The Jews listening to this or maybe kind of like you are, you're like, "What? What are you saying?" They start grumbling about him. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. What does this mean? This made no sense to them. How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Maybe the listeners are like, that's not helpful. That doesn't clear anything up to us. Jesus continues It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. And he continues, and we're closing in on this. You guys are doing a good job. It's important for us to, even though we're not going to be able to look at every point going on here, important for us to hear it all in its context. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. And again, picture them standing in their shoes. To us, maybe we kind of have some familiarity. We've been talking about communion. Okay, we've, this kind of makes some sense for them. This would make no sense. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They were disturbed by this. So Jesus said to them, oh, let me explain it away. I mean, I'm not talking, you know, literal. Let's read what he said. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus, come on, let's tone it down a little bit. Let's make it make some sense. But he continues, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Did you get all that? Oh, yeah, no problem. They're searching. The beginning of the story, they're searching. Jesus has just done this amazing thing. And they're thinking, oh, my goodness, this blows our minds away. We've, we were struggling fighting and scratching just to make a living each day. Here's a man that can provide for a huge amount of people. Imagine what he could do for our nation. Let's make him king. We'll have bread to eat every day. He'll be able to provide for us. So they're searching for him because their minds have been blown by this miracle. And they show up to Jesus and they're looking for something. And Jesus says, I have something far greater than this in store for you. It's Christmas time, right? Can you think back, or was there ever a time when it was just some gift, something that you just said, man, this would be amazing if I could have this? I can't even hope to dream for this. Now, that's a little extreme, but I do remember as a kid wanting a remote-control car, thinking, man, to have a remote-control car. And I remember one Christmas, my grandparents gave me and my brother. That was always the bad thing. Like, when you have a brother close, you know, your grandparents give you both the same gift. So you have to like not look. Oh, good! I know what I got. But we got a remote control car, and it was really exciting to open it. I'd always wanted a remote control car, and the the, and the one thing about that remote control car, I mean, it was so exciting to get. And then you know you turn it on, and and back then I guess probably I'm sure they had. Anyway, this car could only turn right. Did you ever get one of those? Like I want to go left, so I have to go. Oh, I'm going left now. And I mean, it was fun. I loved the car, but it was a little after I got it. You know so awesome. But have you ever had that where there's something that you really wanted? Well, imagine, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's a remote control car and all, and this is a bad analogy, but I'll finish it. Uh, it's, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, if, and then you go out and your parents are like, it's a brand new car. Now as a kid, that wouldn't mean anything right because i can't do anything with a brand new car thanks mom and dad maybe a better example would be like my my daughter's real into horses you know maybe if what if she like wanted a a rocking horse like oh that would be so awesome to have this beautiful rocking horse and we wake up on christmas morning and like sorry darling all we got for you is this saddle and you can sit on it by the way go out in the backyard what is it oh it's a horse Right? imagine that would blow her mind okay that's 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 the best i can do on the analogy the remote control car the horse What we're getting at is that people were searching for something. They thought, Jesus, this is the answer. This is the thing that we've always wanted. Jesus is about to blow their minds. They were coming for what they thought would be amazing. This guy can take care of all of our needs, but they were seeking him for the wrong reason. And he tells them this. And he says, hey, there's something important that you need to know that we need to hear, especially around Christmas time." Do not work. This is John 6, 27. We read it in that big passage, but I want to zoom in on it for a moment and just have you think about what Jesus is saying. Do not work for the food that perishes. What were they searching for? They were searching for Jesus. But for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. We talked about that with my kids this week as we were talking about the gift of God. You know, and for most of us, to unwrap that brand new horse or that brand new car or whatever that thing that would just blow your mind you know I was talking to the kids trying to put it in some setting like they ask them you know what would just blow your minds and one of my sons was like you know and an, a real life x-wing fighter you know that would blow my like one that you could get in and fly and be like look it's there wouldn't that be so exciting and that's how it works at Christmas like imagine those gifts that just blow your mind right and, and that seems much bigger and much more important than just like eternal life you know or, I mean uh, on Christmas morning it's exciting to unwrap that thing right we've all experienced that as kids or maybe even as adults man if I had that it would change my life and yet just talking through it with the kids because we're talking about the gift of God here is what we're talking about this morning God is giving a gift far greater than an x-wing fighter that you could fly in right Isn't it amazing that even those who lived in Jesus' day walked and talked with him, they got the opportunity to rub shoulders with him, they saw his miracles, people raised from the dead, water turned to wine, uh, all the different things that they saw. He was offering them something up here. He was offering something up here and they kept wanting something like this. Over and over, you see that throughout this story. Yet not only people in that day Many of us today often come to Jesus just saying, Lord, if I could only have this thing. And he's like, oh, no. I don't just have this for you. I have something. I have something far greater. Lord, would it would be amazing if you would just do this one thing, if you would help me with my marriage, if you would help me, you know, in my work, help me overcome this addiction, depression, get that job, my finances. Lord, if you would just help, if you would just help get this one thing. Jesus is like, no, no. I have that and far more in store for you. We want, so they go on. They're like, okay, we want to do the works of God. So how can we do the works of God? And that's when Jesus says, this is what you do. Believe in him whom he has sent. What is the work of God, believe? We're going to define that a little bit more here in a bit. But just hold out there for a second. Jesus says the work of God is to believe in him who he has sent. Now, here we are, many of us, some of you have you know, been in church every Sunday, maybe a couple times a year. You've heard that word, believe in Jesus. And again, we're going to unpack it. But that's what he's saying. That is the work that we do to please God. So they say, okay, well, what sign do you have to show for that? Now they realize that Jesus is talking about something far different than just what they were looking for. He's talking about something much greater. What sign do you give us? Moses gave us, gave us manna in the desert. Bread from heaven to eat in the desert. This was an epic Sign in their history that they look back on and saw that God's people were out in the desert about to starve to death, and yet God provided this miraculous bread somehow that came down and was on the ground, tasted like honey. So, in their minds, this, this historical event, they conveniently have forgotten, you know, after a while how the people began to grumble and complain about the bread. But they look back and see this sign. Okay, Jesus, Moses did this. What do you have to do? What can you do to say, to back up what you're saying here? Jesus says, Whoa! I mean, just like he showed last week through the Sabbath. The Sabbath was not from Moses. It was from God. So also the bread that came down in the desert, that manna that they looked back on, that wasn't from Moses. It didn't just point to how great of a leader Moses was. No, that was God. Jesus says, that was my father. He was the one that met your daily need. But like the bread that you ate yesterday was temporary, Speaking to the crowd about the 5,000 sitting there eating that bread. They were just so amazed. Their minds were blown that Jesus could do this. He's like, yeah, that was, that was just kind of a little temporary bread. God has something far better pointing to a better bread. The true bread of God is he. It's not a thing. I mean, I talk about there's better bread, you know, out there. You got your white bread. You got this bread. Jesus is like, the true bread of God is not a loaf. It's not a thing. It's a he. Your fathers in the desert ate the manna and died. Whoever eats the better bread, me, will have everlasting life. Was this a false promise? I mean, the people that listened to this was just Jesus kind of giving them a sales job to try to trump up his his resume, gain a following, build a big church to do great things in the community. I mean, they've died since then. What do you mean never died? Jesus says, I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and blood is true drink. And he goes on. What is true food, true drink? It's food that satisfies. Jesus points out the fact that that bread that they had yesterday, they were hungry for more bread today. Just like the commercials that we have here at Christmas time. There's tons of commercials, right? If you buy this thing, it'll satisfy. We've all seen it a million times. We know what happens the day after Christmas or maybe an hour after the presents are open. That thing that we thought would satisfy, that remote control car that only turned right, Disappointed us that we needed something more. Jesus said, No true bread comes only from God. Bread that will fill and satisfy your hunger forever. Their response how do they respond to this? They were just looking for Jesus because they wanted to make him king. They had their ideas down here. Jesus was showing them something else. What do they do? They grumble. And again, they go back, it just takes you right back if you know the story. There the the fathers were in the desert with the manna, with the bread, this amazing, miraculous thing that happened. And over time, they continually grumbled. You look up grumbled in the Bible, and it takes you to Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, all this section where they just continually grumbled. And the thing I was thinking about this week, we don't have time for it, but if you find yourself grumbling, grumbling tells me way more about me than it does about you. Grumbling tells you way more about yourself than it does about those that you're grumbling over. Their response, grumbling, we liked the bread, we wanted him king, but now, who is this guy? He's some wacko. I mean, they, they're probably there in the crowd saying, hey, Judah, didn't, didn't you go to school with Jesus and... and Hey, Thomas, didn't your dad buy a desk from Jesus' dad, Joseph? Like, what is he talking about saying, I am bread from heaven? Who is this guy? And yet Jesus, as it's going on, and Jesus knows what they're talking about, he doesn't seem too concerned to try to straighten it out. He doesn't seem that worried and that stressed about, oh, no, what am I doing? I'm losing my audience. Here we are. We just gained 5,000 people and all their wives and kids. I mean, this is great. This Look at this thing that we can do now. No, Jesus keeps talking, and he keeps... And when they're confused, he capitalizes on their confusion by continuing to get down into some nitty-gritty language. And what happens? I mean, what's the goal? You think, what's my goal or the goal of a preacher when they get up to preach with the people? Is it just to like feel good, to laugh a little bit, to walk out, to slap the preacher on their back, saying, Nice job, see you next week? What do you think? Is that the goal of a speaker? No. No, the goal of a speaker is a response. Right, You want people not just to, to like you. and I mean, that's, you want people to, to respond, to hear something that changes their life forever, that walks out and says, I am not going to live the same way. Jesus, we, haven't, we didn't have time to read it, but many of you know the story. At the end of this sermon, there is a response. You know what the response is? Like all those thousands and thousands of people, they respond by getting up and walking out. And saying, you know what? We just, we were, we kind of wanted this. He's trying to give something else. We're not interested in it. That was the response that Jesus, now you would think, you know, okay, all right, Jesus, move over. You know, let me do a better job. Let me, look, okay, guys, wait, let, don't come back here. Jesus, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a newbie. He's just starting out on this whole preaching thing. Come on, but I don't know if one of the Peters or any of those guys were going to stand and be like, hey, wait, guys, before you leave, Jesus, Move over. Move off the stage for a second. I need to get everybody back. Jesus is just kind of standing there. He's just saying, hey. And many people respond by leaving. And we could think, man, what a, what a failure. You know, maybe he didn't listen real well in class to homiletics or, or whatever. Maybe he should go back and start over. Yet, here we are, thousands of Years and miles after the fact, studying this over this. As we continue, I hope and pray that you will get this image. And as we go into Christmas time, that this image will stand out in your mind. And maybe it's not clear yet. Maybe it's a question. What is Jesus saying? What is the this that he's wanting to bring is Jesus has come and he has said I am the bread of life I am the bread of life did he bring you know did he bring up bread and say this is I've, I'm a great baker this is what I can do no they are the ones who brought up bread. Like Jesus was just coming and, and they were the ones searching out for him. And, they, and he said, hey, the work of my father is to believe in the one he sent. So they bring up the whole manna in the desert thing. And what happened there? Again, we've kind of talked about it several times. The people were in the desert. They thought they were about to die. Because the guy that brought them out in there kind of overlooked the simple little logistic thing of bringing food for a couple million of people in the middle of the desert. So there they were in the middle of the desert and this bread, where did it come from? Where did the the manna come from? It It just showed up on the ground like they would walk outside. This is what I love about preaching and stuff. Sorry, bud, I'm not gonna throw more than half the loaf here. But they woke up in the morning. I tried to hit you, Anthony, but I missed. They walked out and there's this stuff there and it gave them life and they were just amazed by this. See, he's walking out on me, okay. <laughs> me and Jesus. Um, this bread raining down from heaven, giving life. And the, Jesus is reminding them of the truth. That wasn't Moses, some magician back in the olden days doing this amazing miracle. He's like, that was my father. And he's not done showering bread. I'm going to throw a few more pieces just to keep you guys awake. He's like, that was my father, and he's not done showering bread on a starving world. But this time he's sending a far better bread. And Jesus said, it's not a, it's not a thing, it's a he, it's me. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am here to do my Father's will. What was God's will? What did God love to do? God wanted to give life to dying people. So he sent his son to die, to come as a baby, the thing that we sing about, to die on a cross. And if that had been all that there was to this story, we would just be here singing carols, doing things to remember some historical event. But the amazing fact is that Jesus took the sins, the death of us on his shoulders and he, raised, he conquered it, put it to death and he raised to life. To invite us to join him. The bread of life is here. And I want to talk about that word believe for a moment. Because we've heard the word believe. It's in all, all over. Especially even this time of year. You know, Believe. What does that mean? Believe. And there's probably lots of different definitions. The one that stands out to me the most. That I need to hear the most. Because believe. What is that? To commit to. To trust. To do something. I want to kind of pose this definition. To believe is to... To not hold at arm's length any longer. I want you to think about that for a moment. To not hold something at arm's length any longer. What do you do if you're out and some guy or some person comes at you, you know, ready to fight? Now, I know for some of you, there's all sorts of different responses. You may get ready to, you may run, you may whatever. But at the very least, if somebody's right in your presence, you put out your hands. Why? To keep them away from you. Right? You, you don't just be like, hey, come on, you know, let's No, you hold out your hands, you hold it at arm's length. The danger, though, if you're like me now, is is it's easy to start going through life like this. Not just with God, but with people. Everybody around you. Because you experienced some hurt, some pain, some difficulties as a kid, and you started to learn, you know what, it's too difficult whenever I let people into my life. So I'm going to hold them like this. Or maybe just even my job or other things. I'm just going to like, you know, I'm not going to go all in. I'm going to hold everything around me at arm's length. But I think that picture of what does it happen, because if I try to live my life in my marriage and be like, darling, I'm going to be married, you know, I love you, but I'm going to hold you right here because I don't want to be hurt by you. That's not a good way to to do a marriage, is it? The challenge in life is to learn to open up. And maybe sometimes it's not just this, you know, maybe it's kind of a, a slow, gradual process, letting people come closer. But in my marriage, for me, I have to, open up my my arms to my wife to be willing to be vulnerable to embrace her and to receive her embrace. When Jesus says, the work of my Father is to believe in the one He's sent, I want you to have that picture of rather than to stop holding at arm's length, maybe you've come to church your whole life or maybe every Christmas or maybe every so often, you know, and you hear this stuff you know, Mike's been preaching about, Brian's been preaching about all these things. Okay, I hear it, whatever, but I don't, I don't want to be hurt by it. You know, or maybe I don't want to go all in. Belief is a, p- going from a posture like this when it comes to God, you know, and maybe it's gradual, maybe it takes time. Belief is opening up and saying, all right, Lord, I'm not going to try to keep the world and you at arm's length any longer. I open up, I surrender myself to you. But here at Christmas time there's there's challenges. There's difficulties, there's pain. Maybe there's depression, maybe there's different things and the fear is if if I do that I'm going to only be hurt again. Can I trust him? Jesus says the work is just to open up your arms to be willing to receive all that I've done for you. This is Christmas Sunday. Imagine being in the desert, dying of hunger, and all of a sudden there's bread on the ground and you get to eat again. You didn't know that you'd be able to provide for your family, but all of a sudden God does this miraculous thing. I mean, how crazy would that be? I mean, here we are, we dream of white Christmases, right? Our kids dream of a white Christmas. Imagine you wake up and there's like, you know, you're starving in the desert. Kids, it's not a white Christmas, it's a bread Christmas, right? I'm dreaming of a bread Christmas. Wouldn't that be, I mean, here we are, it's Christmas and the incredible fact, the thing that I want you, if you take notes, I want you to write this down. The bread of life, this thing that Jesus was talking about that was confusing the crowd, here we are thousands of years later, the bread of life is not something that we're waiting for still. The bread of life is here. We have it today, all of these things that Jesus talked about, and you may need to go home and read through them slowly, maybe one verse at a time every day, just to chew on what is he saying. That bread of life offering eternal, everlasting life to abide with the Father is here for us this Christmas. You don't have to imagine a bread Christmas. We've got it. The bread of life is here. Jesus says, come to me, eat from me, abide with me, and you won't hunger or thirst again. We aren't waiting anymore to make sense of what Jesus is saying. We've seen him on the cross. We've seen him raised to new life. Today, you have two options when you leave here. You can go away hungry and grumbling like the crowd. Or, like Peter, at the very end, you can go away humbled overjoyed in awe of the fact that you have eaten from the bread of life, sent down from the Father in the form of a little baby, born in a manger, and all of those carols that our children sing, we sing and, we th- and the things we celebrate aren't speaking just of something to come, but are celebrating the right now reality that we have the bread of life in our lives, or you have the opportunity to taste of it for the very first time through surrendering to him, through baptism to him this morning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's here. The bread of life. This past week I had the really fun privilege of watching It's a Wonderful Life with my children. It brought up a lot of memories. I remember watching it as a kid and really not understanding half of what was going on. So it was fun to watch it with my kids. We, we broke it up one hour of the first day, the second hour of the second day. And it was fun to hit the pause button. Did you guys catch that? You know, do you understand what's going on? Or when you're watching it with your kids, you kind of start to realize, oh wow, this is getting kind of heavy. You know, we're building towards, there's like a, he's ready to end his life. I need to try to explain this to my kids. Or there's other this stuff going on. So it was really fun. But in that movie, if you know it or if not, it's your assignment. One of your other responses to the sermon is to go watch It's a Wonderful Life because you know that in the middle of that movie, towards the very end, you you see it's building, you know, all this stuff that's going on in George's life and and the bread, where'd my bread go? The bread that he thought, you know, he was living for and wanting for, he's like, oh man, if I could only have it and he doesn't feel like he's getting it, he's getting it, it's building and it's building. To the very end of the movie, he has that terrible, horrible day where it feels like his life is over and he's ready to cash it in. And yet... In the middle of that, he is blinded to the amazing things that he has. And there's that scene, and it was difficult. I had to stop and pause with my kids and explain, well, here's what's going to happen. He's going to go be mean. You know, kind of like you see me be every once in a while when I've had a bad day. He's going to go do that, but really work. He's going to be really mean. And in the process, you see as you're looking through your kids' eyes, like, man, George is blind to all that he's been given. Now, look at the way he's treating his wife. Look at the way he's, he's treating his kids right now. He's blind to it, just like you and I are often when, when we're blinded by what's going on right around us. But then something happens, and I want you to watch this little clip. And I want you to try to think through, you know, what changed. So if we can pull it up. Yeah! Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone! Hey! Merry Christmas, Mr. Boy! Happy New Year to you in jail! Go on home, they're waiting for you! Uh, Alright. What changed? Now, if you haven't seen the movie, you have no idea and you need to go home and watch it. But what changed for George? Because in that clip, and this is what I love about that clip, What changed from just a few moments before when he had been down at the river considering tragic options? Nothing physically had changed in that moment. And yet God sent Clarence to open his eyes to the riches that he'd received. And in that moment, as he comes back, and it, watching the movie, I'm like, oh, man. You know, and just experiencing what he experienced, like, if, if suddenly everything, you don't, why is it that we don't take things, we don't, you know, we take things for granted until we lose them, right? I mean, our precious children standing up here. And how often, though, or, you know, sometimes as parents, are we at home just getting upset? Man, why are they doing this to me? Why are they inconveniencing to me? Yet in the movie, George gets, catches a glimpse of of. Having his riches, his true riches, taken from him, and in that scene, when he finally realizes, "No, it's not true. I have this amazing thing, the incredible thing that I hope and pray that you want, that you'll see this morning, is that how, how often in life we spend our days looking for this man. If only I could get that." And Jesus said, "No crowd, no Anacortes Christian Church. It's not that. It's this." It's something far greater. I am the bread of life, and yet for most of us in the room, we have this, and yet how often do we still follow our hungers, and rather than going to Jesus, how often do we go and search out something else? This morning, I pray that you would realize that Jesus, the bread of life, is here. He's in your life, and he wants to revolutionize your life and your world if you will open up, if you will take your hungers to him. Some of us in the room have never tasted the bread of life, yet you've tasted this other bread, and you've found that that always promises to satisfy your hunger, but they always leave you feeling more empty. I invite you this morning, as the band comes and as we sing, I invite you to respond, and I don't know what your response is. There will be a few people up here that would love to pray with you. Maybe your response is a, is, a, is a posture, it's closing your eyes. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a going from here to here. Maybe it's going from here to here. You know, you, people may wonder, why do people raise their hands? They're surrendering their life to God, saying, God, I open up my life to you. I invite you to respond during this song. Maybe it's to bow. I don't know what your response looks like. But I pray that you won't go out here continuing to live for this level. We would love to invite you to experience, to taste the bread of life that Jesus Christ came to bring. So I invite you as we sing here in a moment, maybe to stay seated, maybe just to stand. I don't know what posture you need to take, but I pray that this week you would go from holding God, or maybe God brings people in your life that you're holding like this, and he wants to teach you a new posture with them.